We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Napa A Napa guy knows that by the foot, there's no better ride than an old station wagon. Room for six people facing forward, two people facing backward, and a whole lot of luggage, lumber, and bicycles haphazardly strapped to the roof. If you can parallel park that beast, you can park anything. And with some quality parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep your land ship running longer, stronger. It's not obsolete. It's a rare treasure. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Geico presents sharing versus oversharing. Today, Bridget Griffin shared a video of her daily yoga routine, two self-help articles, and her new blog called Build Your Inner Bridge with Bridge. Girl, your sharing has turned into oversharing. No worries, Bridge. Geico has some info worth sharing with your seven blog followers, like how you could save money on your car insurance, update your policy, and report a claim just by visiting geico.com. How's that for building your inner bridge? Bridge, Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Welcome to the Rotar Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code 
Rotowire when you make your deposit for a free contest entry today. So, okay, so what's the deal with Venture Brothers? I mean, I've I've never got into it. I don't know. Um, it's it's awesome. It's just like a it's like a par- It's kind of like a parody, but kind of uh, also like a, a what is that homage to like the the speed racer Johnny Quest genre of cartoon, but instead of like you know whatever they are it's it's less about uh it's less about like the the racing and i don't know crashing and stuff or whatever and more about just irony and and making jokes out of like the idea of villains and stuff that sounds like bill's jets on a thursday night to be completely honest. it also has that one guy from seinfeld doing the voice of brock sampson who's one of the very best characters in anything ever David Putty? Like, yeah, this guy. David yeah. Putty, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's definitely definitely Putty. How far into Seinfeld are you, by the way? I know you, you were one of the late adopters of the show. Are you in like, season four? I got like four? season two, and then I got, I got bored. But I, I got a friend's Hulu account, so maybe I'll start doing that again. Well, yeah. I mean, at the very least, throw it on before you fall asleep. And in like three years, you'll get Seinfeld dreams. That's what's happening. I, if I could pay money to dream in episodes of Seinfeld... I'd pay a lot of money for that service. Can you guys tell we don't care about the Thursday game? Doing everything in my power not to cover it, but uh, I'll get it over with. you got to take the shot eventually. Basically, it's a, it's a root canal of a game. Uh, Bills 22, Jets 17. Let's roll through the quarterbacks. Tyrod Taylor went 17-27 to 27 for 158 at TD. Didn't throw any picks. That was the key in this one, really. Uh, he was, Tyrod. He was sacked four times. I just like that he's their best option, has been their he's best good, option. He's good, man. I like Tyrod. Well, he can still get better. I mean, he's got so little experience that he's he's not a finished product yet at quarterback. I just like that he breaks the, the template of boring, mediocre quarterbacks that we always see get starting opportunities when they don't deserve it, and he's finally getting the chance he should have had and he's he's you know not embarrassing himself like so many of those other goofs we're looking at you matt castle looking at you matt castle blaine despite the resurrection looking at you blaine blaine gabbert absolute worst on the other side ryan fitzpatrick 15 of 34 for 193 couple touchdowns two picks he was sacked once bill's defense played pretty well in this road spot and and i think the thing that stands out to me really are the two turnovers from Fitzpatrick. that was uh, pretty costly in this particular matchup sean mccoy looking very healthy as he has over the last few weeks 19 carries 112 yards carlos williams had 50 yards from scrimmage including a 26 yard touchdown catch without that td it would have been a pretty disappointing night for a guy that many people were throwing in as an rb2 or at least as a flex option for this week Wait, this is Carlos Williams? Yeah, people are treating him like oh, that. Wow, I guess I missed the memo on McCoy not playing, even though he did. Um, yeah, whatever. I, I missed that. I guess I'm glad. Uh, McCoy's obviously the lead guy. Yeah, McCoy's going to get probably three carries to Williams one in uh, games where the Bills are winning. Otherwise, least. interesting thing in this game is Eric Decker never doesn't catch it. Or he, he never doesn't catch a touchdown pass. He'll always do it. He's awesome. He's very, really good. Yeah. Very underrated player. I always look his price on DraftKings. It seems like he's pretty low week in and week out, regardless of matchup. Brandon Marshall had 10 targets, turned that into just three catches for 23 yards, but he did find the end zone. Uh, for the Bills, Sammy Watkins coming off a huge game on Sunday, targeted seven times, catches three balls for 14 yards, saw his share of Darrell Revis, so not a big surprise that he was quiet. Charles Clay led the way, five for 52 on six targets among Bills pass catchers. Uh, on the Jets side, also, you got Chris Ivory, 18 for 99 after the one yard per carry outburst 
over the weekend. He had a couple touchdowns in that game. Uh, did not score last night. Also caught a couple balls for 36 yards. One quick thought I've had about Chris Ivory is that the Saints didn't really use him as a pass catcher, but I think that was largely because during Chris Ivory's time in New Orleans, they always had a back whose specialty was to do that. I mean, they had Reggie Bush. They had Darren Sproles, I think, for at least one of the years. Ivory was there. A um, handful of different guys that they mixed in that could always, that Pierre Thomas could always catch passes. So I think there's always the possibility when you have a, a back change teams like Ivory did going into, I think it was last season now, you know, they may be asked to do different things than they were previously. And, and I think he's proof of that. He's not going to catch 50 or 60 balls, but he's not Alfred Morris in the passing game either. Right, yeah, and it's interesting that as soon as the Saints let him walk or they traded him, whatever, uh, then they start using Kiri Robinson as a pass catcher. It's like, oof. And you'll, you'll give him the opportunity, but not Ivory. But I don't know. Ivory's getting hurt all the time. I guess they maybe they were just trying to limit him in general. No, but really, this game, uh, I was not really expecting a whole lot offensively. 22-17, uh, a lot of poor yardage totals. The back's doing what you expect. Decker having a good game. Marshall only having a good game because he scored. Everything else being uh, pretty disappointing. So we're not going to spend much time on that today. I do want to start diving into injuries because there's a a lot of them to get through. Uh, Latavius Murray practiced without limitations Friday. He's been cleared to start Sunday's game against Minnesota. Hey, good news. Concussions aren't that bad, apparently, at least this time for Latavius Murray. Yeah, uh, that's great. Uh, fingers crossed that there's nothing shady going on with that. I guess I guess the matchup might not be as bad as it looks with Minnesota having two beat-up linebackers, Anthony Barr and Kendricks, but Zimmer was saying they'd both play. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. That'll be an interesting test for an Oakland offense that has looked you know, pretty convincing in the past month or so. On the other side of that matchup, Teddy Bridgewater, who was knocked out completely in Week 9 on the field, uh, is officially listed as questionable to play against the Raiders, although Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer said he has no doubt that Bridgewater will start. I'm not sure how Zimmer knows that because Bridgewater has not passed through the league's concussion protocol as of the time of this recording early Friday afternoon. I think Zimmer just knows he can say anything and no one can do anything about it as long as the injury report isn't, you know, breaking the laws of the injury report protocol. He can just say like, well, I bet he will. That's the worst kind of law you can break. Can't people. penalize him for saying, I bet he'll play. Anything with the injury report, do not break those laws. Emmanuel Sanders missed practice on Friday with an ankle injury. Has not taken a practice rep at all this week. Seems like he's legitimately a game-time decision for that late afternoon kickoff uh, for the Broncos on Sunday. That matchup is coming against Kansas City. The question I have for you, is there anyone else you'd like to pick up extra value if Sanders is forced to sit this one out? Well, Demarius Thomas would, I guess like everybody would would figure. He had eight catches for 116 yards at Arrowhead earlier this year, but uh, Peyton Manning being completely useless has had a noticeable effect on Demarius Thomas's numbers because he only has one touchdown and 61 catches. So uh, DraftKings PPR, that's not as huge of a deal. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I hate the Broncos, so I'm not. I mean, I hate their offense. Wade, we love Wade, but the offense is such a mess because of Manning and et cetera. Boring. We were told by the lawyers that we cannot rename the podcast the at son of bum on Twitter podcast, which is kind of disappointing. Uh, usually the lawyers give you bad news, so I wasn't that surprised when I saw the email from them. But I just want to let you know we tried to rename the pod. Please the don't blame us. Podcast. It's Please not our don't fault. blame us. Uh, Demarius Thomas' lack of TDs, as bad as Peyton Manning has been, as poorly as Manning has played, it is surprising. I mean, 61 catches with one TD. 
it doesn't add up. I mean, if, if the Broncos' passing game still sputters the rest of the way, if they really don't make any sort of strides, I could still see Thomas getting, I don't know, six, seven TDs over the final eight games. I mean, it just seems really fluky that he hasn't been contributing in that area. Yeah, I guess if you believe that the the lack of touchdowns is basically just a statistical anomaly rather than like a, a, a you know merited result based on Peyton Manning's play, then you could expect a progression to the mean going forward. I just have no faith in Manning, and I think he can. I don't know. I think he's been the tanking factor so far, and I don't see a reason why it would change. To your point, last season Demarius Thomas had thirty nine targets inside the red zone in sixteen games. This year he has seven. Oh, well, it's a big drop. Well, I don't know. Maybe, I mean, Emmanuel Sanders has four touchdowns. Maybe him being out would be just what we need for Demarius to peel off three of them. Who knows? Could be. I'm a little more interested in Demarius Thomas this week with Sanders at least banged up. and possibly That's not definitely playing. reasonable. Definitely reasonable. And he's not expensive, 7400 Things I never thought I would have said going into the season. We are anxiously awaiting further details about Alan Hearns. We may have to wait until just before kickoff on Sunday to know for certain. Uh, but he did express some optimism regarding his status to play against Baltimore. Uh, he's got a questionable tag after going through the walkthrough on Friday. Hearns is dealing with a foot injury that he suffered on the final play of that game against the Jets on Sunday. I mean, Hearns, I kind of expect him to crash in a, a James Jones sort of way, but he's been holding more targets than Jones has had over the last few weeks. He's scored in six consecutive games, uh, at least six targets in each of his last five, eight in back-to-back games. Now, if he plays, it seems like his role is actually becoming pretty safe. Yeah, he's he's convincing to me, and it seems like the Jaguars have a reliable target funnel between just the, the two Allens, and I don't know if, the, if Julius Thomas will eventually get in on that, but uh, they're throwing the ball quite a bit, and like Bortles might be turnover prone but he's creating just enough yardage and touchdowns that it's like i i feel like the allens are going to just stay hot the rest of the year because the defense is never going to be good enough to stop teams from giving them a reason to throw and uh the allens are good man like Allen robinson is going to be a top 10 receiver i think and Allen hearns is a lot better than i expected too Marquise Lee is listed as questionable to play in this Who one. Who cares? So, I, look, hey, I do care because his offensive coordinator once compared him to the albino tiger at the zoo um, based on how rare it is that you actually see him. So that's kind of a it's, it's a funny comparison. Like once you get the full context, but out of context, I could see where that might bring some heat. Nevertheless, Marquise Lee uh, actually practiced a little bit in a limited capacity Wednesday, Thursday, and then practiced fully on Friday. So he did more this week than Hearns, and yet I'd be in no way surprised if Hearns played on Sunday and Marquise Lee didn't. That Tiger thing is just confusing me. I, I'm I'm like wrecked for the next five minutes. I can't give you any thoughts. I'm are, sorry. are you Googling albino tiger right now? I'm just considering like the full implication of what that means. And like maybe there's a burn in there somewhere. Maybe this guy actually has a low opinion of the... Uh, okay, well, never mind. I, I, did, I, think, I just think he, he started like he was... I don't know. Maybe he took his kids to the zoo like a day or two before, and they were like disappointed they didn't see the albino tiger. He just wanted to use albino tiger in a sentence really bad. Yeah, like he he just learned about them at the zoo the previous day, and then practice came along. They said, "How's Marquise's hamstring?" And then he just decided, like, I got to drop this albino tiger knowledge on these reporters, otherwise they're going to think I'm a chump. Maybe he already used the reference like five times that day beforehand, and everyone thought he was just stupid and ignored him. So he just kept trying. Almost he like finally Ron, hit one where people were like, hey, that's cool. That makes sense. Kind of like Ron Burgundy with the when in Rome, how he never never seems to know how to apply that. Perhaps that's what happened Probably. with the, uh, the albino tiger situation. 
A couple other injuries we're tracking related to the Broncos game. Peyton Manning, foot injury, he's expected to start. Who's using Peyton Manning right now in daily and season-long anywhere? Like, what, What conditions exist in places where Peyton Manning is being used? I have him in an NFFC league where uh, I have to rotate him with three other quarterbacks. Oh, you're going with the, the Ohio State the Pretty quarterback much situation? Because, uh, yeah, I, 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 they're all bad. It's not good. I also draft, I drafted Sam Bradford and Peyton Manning back-to-back in the uh, like sixth and seventh rounds, and I thought I was so smart. I thought I was pretty I smart really believed those it. drafts, too, and I'm looking like an idiot yet again. Who would have thought that would happen? It's only... It's only happened every year I've played in those leagues. Those are hard leagues, but they're a lot of fun. Uh, Des Bryant is listed as probable for Sunday's game in Tampa. Just wants some mother-effing respect, I assume. Um, but he's okay hey, after missing time. Des is always right. I am ser- like, And also, I'm sick of seeing on TV people talking about it. Like, no one cares about Des getting mad about journalists. No one cares about, you know? like It's just, it's just like a... A, an endless tv media thing of like our feelings are hurt des should say something nice to us like no he shouldn't he should keep yelling at you des should hire stone cold steve austin to come issue stone cold stunners to the reporters asking the questions yeah it's like don't misquote my man des unless you're ready to get some fire in your face like that like you gotta you gotta just stop stop poking him god just leave him alone it reminds me of the time that t.o called ed Werder a liar remember that I do. I can't remember why, but I, I don't know. I'm I'm just I'm all in favor of Des just unleashing his anger at the the people around him who keep prodding for whatever reason. Even though it's not the same voice, when I hear To's quotes in my head, it's Allen Iverson's voice that I hear. This is complex. I don't. It's, it's, I don't know why that is. I know they're not the same voice. Like I, I know there's a difference. Uh, they're they're just very different in a lot of ways. Oh, totally. And then and then when To the one where he was crying talking about Tony Romo and how that was his quarterback. I I hear I hear Rod Tidwell. I hear Cuba Gooding Jr. from Jerry Maguire in my head because that seems like a scene from that movie. It seems so fake. I. Uh, you know the South Park episode about the Tooth Fairy where Kyle thinks too long about Descartes and other phil- philosophy <laughs> books and stuff and and um, and reality sus- like suspends and ceases to exist? That's where I'm at right now. I'm like floating through different galaxies. Just It started with the Albino Tiger thing, but this T.O. Iverson, Cuba Gooding thing is, is, uh, is what pushed me beyond sanity. Hey, I'm not even done. We're only about 16 minutes in. Steelers got a couple banged up players. D'Angelo Williams should be fine. He's got that foot injury. He laughed earlier in the week when somebody asked me if he was going to play. The injury is being described as foot inflammation. It seems like sharing carries with Jonathan Stewart for several years has actually been some kind of preservative for D'Angelo Williams. He looks really good right now. Yeah, he's, he should have another big game with uh, Roethlisberger out. I mean, I guess it could be offset by the lack of vertical explosiveness, but, I mean, how does he not get 30 carries this week? The other thing, well, I, yeah, I think he gets the volume for sure. 25 seems like a, a really good target. 30 definitely seems within reach because they don't have anybody else to give the ball it's, to. There's nothing left in that offense. Like, it's those two receivers, Heath Miller and D'Angelo Williams, and you can't get more than, like, 60 snaps out of those four. You're not going to run Jordan Todman, that's that's for sure. Or maybe they will. I hope they I hope they don't. Uh, ben Roethlisberger, we expect him to be out, but he was limited practice again Friday. I don't know if this is a Mike Tomlin a way of messing with Mike Pettin. I don't think messing with Mike Pettin seems all that difficult. But I, I mean, Roethlisberger is, I mean, whatever bad things that are true about him, uh, he's a really competitive and really tough football player. So I'm sure he's always like, you know, barely able to walk and like, I can play coach kind of person. But uh, 
I don't think they're going to let him play. I don't know. I just because they got the bye week coming up. I think so. Uh, yeah, next week the Steelers are off. Yeah, and they're playing the Browns. Like, come on, just beat the Browns, you guys. Yeah, if, if you filtered away the character issues and, and the brain damage, I mean, Ben Roethlisberger does seem like a, a likable athlete, but it's he, I, I, I don't apply those filters. You know, no, it's not going to happen. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if he's likable, but he's, he's, he's not. He's not one of my guys. For I, I, I he's he's him. a really good player, but uh, yeah, anyway. that's, what, that's what I'm saying. Like you have to strip all these extra things away and then be like, oh yeah, we, we like his competitiveness and. You know, he's the face of our franchise. Well, he is those things, but he's also other things that people kind of have forgotten about. It's amazing to forget. Like, they were really close to just getting rid of him back in the day. Like, they were trying to move him, and then it's like, yeah, it's it's funny how we forgive certain people for certain things. Dallas would have been there because they would have found Oh, man, if he went to Dallas, he would have never been forgiven. It would be the exact opposite of right now with where he is in Pittsburgh, where people just kind of seem to have forgotten. It would be like, we can never let this go away. Uh, <laughs> not to say, like, the Greg Hardy thing doesn't d- deserve the attention gets i just think it's stupid how people are always like oh jerry jones is some kind of unique villain it's like no he's the whole league would be doing that if they had the guts jerry jones does jerry jones just doesn't mind playing the villain yes they're all it's a system that allows a jerry jones to exist and i I read an article it was from one of the packer beat writers i I feel bad for not knowing which one i i know it came out maybe two or three weeks ago now and it was an article about how the packers are willing to look past character issues too because Every single team, to varying degrees, will look past various character issues to get a discount on talent. And of course, in the case of Greg Hardy, it's extremely well publicized now. We saw the video or the photos, I should say, more recently and things like that. Like That's higher profile, but there's other stuff that happens all the time with guys who have significant, not necessarily star roles, but significant roles on pretty much every team in the league. And I think there's this idea that you know, it's worse in Dallas than it is in other places. Maybe on the spectrum it is, but the whole spectrum is shifted into the WTF side of like, this is all messed up. Right. I mean, the problem is like people, like the Greg Hardy thing is it's like, why did pictures need to be disclosed for people to care more? Like, did you not read the report it's, before? It's, did you not the believe? the Ray Rice video all Yeah, over like, it's like we'll never believe the victims unless they have like a snuff film of what happened to them or something. But uh, yeah, I mean, like I remember like, um, anyway, I'm not going to go uh, trying to name players who I thought were arrested for domestic violence, even though I could. But uh, yeah, one fun case study to monitor would be Joe Mixon at Oklahoma. He's a running back. He's a five-star recruit. Very, very, very talented player who will definitely be an NFL prospect. See how people handle him when his draft time comes up, because he just like completely annihilated some girl at some bar last year, like broke her face, like punched her really bad. Um, yeah, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens because the video of that was never released to the public and, uh, no one's talking about it right now, even but though it exists, a, the video exists, it's been reviewed. Uh, I don't know if it exists. I don't know if that place like destroyed it or whatever. It was never released to the public though. For some reason, media were allowed to see it, but yeah, it's like, no one talks about this when Oklahoma comes up during college football talks and it's like, wait, do we care about this or not? Because if we care about it, like, are we not going to scream about this? Cause I don't know. I, 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 I'm, I thought it was shocking that he was put back on the team, but I, I think the masses selectively care about it when it's driven by a narrative like it has to be under certain constraints there's, then we care otherwise we don't yeah there's social opportunity in being like yeah i hate greg hardy and jerry jones because it's such a safe position like right, right. no one wants to say take away oklahoma's 
like, what? Why are you talking about that, man? We're talking about Greg Hardy over here. Oklahoma's a wholesome football program. We don't want to sully the good name of Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if that story comes back up in, a, in two years or a year, whatever it is. I think that'll surface around draft time, at least as a, like a footnote. Well, what's when... his name? Uh, Frank Clark? Like, people got over that. Yeah. They were mad for a minute, but can't hold the attention span unless there's, like, I guess the companion villain of the owner to go along with or something. No, the Seahawks are cool, though, because Pete Carroll brings DJs to practice, and Russell Wilson seems like a pretty nice guy, even though he's, like, super excited about God and concussion water, so... Oh, man. I, w- I want to say something about Pete Carroll, but I don't know if it's something we can say on here, so... Well, we'll talk about it off-air yeah. then and, and record that as a separate Safe to pod. say, there is other hilarious stuff to say about Pete Carroll. Oh, yeah, there's... there's Plenty. Uh, speaking of the Seahawks, though, Marshawn Lynch is questionable with an abdominal injury for Sunday's game against the Cardinals. Somewhat concerning since he was previously listed for non-injury reasons, especially since this is a, a game following the Seahawks bye week. So I don't really know what to make of that. It's particularly difficult because it's a Sunday night kickoff. So Thomas Rawls would be in line to possibly get some reps if this Lynch injury turns out to be anything serious. Well, they had a bye week themselves, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's he's been listed as like probable slash like non-participant for non-injury reasons for like two years now, so it's hard to tell when he's really got an injury, but I haven't been picking him all year. I won't that won't change for me this week. DeMarco Murray and Ryan Matthews both dealing with groin injuries. Both are probable for Sunday's game against the Dolphins. Eagles Dolphins, one of the higher over-under point totals you're going to find on the board. I would expect you're going to have some interest in those guys as we get into our Millionaire Maker lineups here in just a little while. Uh, looking for a few more injuries. Elshon Jeffrey returned to practice as a limited participant on Friday. He's officially questionable with a groin injury for Sunday's game in St. Louis. His teammate Matt Forte limited in Friday's practice as well. He is also listed as questionable. Kind of puts a a damper potentially on the value of Jeremy Langford, of course, with the possibility that Forte is back. But Elshon Jeffrey, just as he was kind of pushing his way towards the top five among players at his position, has another soft tissue injury that he's dealing with right now that even if it doesn't keep him from playing, could limit him at points during Sunday's game against St. Louis. Yeah, non-participant until Friday, and then a Friday limited is never what you like to see, especially for a guy who missed a bunch of time already this year. Not that it's not that it's the same thing, but it's just like I don't know. I have trouble putting money on stuff like that. I'll probably stay away. So I got another uh, news item here that I, I don't really think I believe, but we'll see if it holds up. Cleveland is expected to start Johnny Manziel in their game against Pittsburgh on Sunday. This is according to some sources at ESPN and multiple reports. Um, Josh McCowan hasn't been officially ruled out based on what I can tell. I'm seeing that he's actually questionable with the rib injury. But much like the Steelers, as we talked about a few minutes ago, the Browns still have their bye week coming up in Week 11. And just given how well Josh McCowan has been playing, it's it's actually maybe a, a good idea to rest him for one more game before bringing him back after the bye. Yeah, I don't I don't know what to expect from Manzil, but obviously it seems like Pettin's committed to McCown regardless of what happens with this this next matchup, but I guess I don't expect Manzil to do that well. Like it seems like the Steelers defense has been a little better lately and it's just I don't know. It's hard it's hard to have faith in Cleveland to anything. But when Josh McCown gets back, the Barnage show is for sure full force. The Barnage show, I've I've missed that the last uh, last oh, man. week or He's so. He's so here. good. He's so good. Jonathan Stewart has an ankle injury. He's probable, so not much to worry about there. He fully practiced on Friday. Kelvin Johnson did not practice on Friday due to an ankle injury, so it, it's possible that this was just a, a precautionary way of just getting him fresh 
for the, for the game on Sunday against the Packers. He was able to practice on a limited basis both Wednesday and Thursday. I believe that's an early kickoff on Sunday, so not part of the late afternoon tiny block. So we should know what the deal is with Kelvin Johnson about 90 minutes before kickoff. Rotowire.com slash pod and get a free 10-day trial. Check out the site. We get all the inactives as they come out. Get them posted up on the site uh, as soon as we can. Um, other injuries. This is actually from the Thursday night game. We knew this was going to happen. Ryan Fitzpatrick did undergo surgery Friday to repair the torn ligaments in his left. That's non-throwing thumb. Uh, on Friday, he's expected to use the next 10 days to return uh, week 11 against the Texans in case he doesn't. Geno Smith actually would be kind of interesting against the Houston defense that's disappointed us pretty much all season long. Wait, against Houston? Yeah, it'd be Houston in week 11 for Geno oh, Smith. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I that'll, that would be interesting. I mean, I have some kind of out there, deep in space faith in Geno Smith doing something if he gets the opportunity, but perhaps being a dis, uh, maybe not convincing character is what's going to keep him down. A few other non-injury related items. Wes Welker, apparently, according to Rams head coach Jeff Fisher, will be ready to play in Sunday's game against the Bears. I saw our colleague this Mike changes Doria. everything. Colleague Mike Doria went after Wes Welker in our stake league and promptly dropped him, so nobody else could own him. I guess or oh. I don't really know what that was all about. If that was a defensive pickup or an accidental pickup or a habitual pickup or, or why exactly that happened. But, I mean, realistically... It seemed like a good idea at the time. Do you see Wes Welker doing anything on this team? Nick Foles looks like the worst starting quarterback in the league to me. I, I didn't mean to sound, like, so, uh, I don't know, mean about it, but I, in another, like, in a radio show I was just talking on, I... I the word jester was what I blurted it out. You referred to Nick Foles as a jester? No, Wes Welker. Oh, is it? Yeah. Like, like they signed him to be a jester, pretty much. Like, like look, it's Wes Welker. Oh, he's not going to do anything, but look, it's Wes Welker. I bet Wes Welker can juggle. Oh, I, I, I am just going to go ahead and assume he definitely can. Was he juggling at the Kentucky Derby when he was on the Molly? Can't juggle on Molly. Is it impossible? I don't know. You probably can. I don't know if I don't, can, I don't do drugs, so I, I don't know. Not implying well, that you do, by the way. I'm just oh, I'm I'm steaming, dude. I'm mad about this. You'll hear from the lawyer I haven't hired yet, but um, yeah, I, I just assume he can juggle, and that's why they signed him. <laughs> Fair enough. Funny um, hat too. Wes Welker probably would wear the jester's motley. Like that's that's part of being the jester is wearing the funny hat, and I think it's important to uh, to own that. The fans are owed that much. <laughs> The fans, the Rams are the team. Every time I look at the NFL schedule, I think the ESPN NFL schedule always has links to StubHub to buy tickets. And I feel like you can always get tickets to a Rams game for less than $20. I wonder why. I mean, it's in a dome. Nick Foles is playing quarterback. Jeff Fisher's the head coach. Because Jared Cook's on the ticket. All the taps serve Bud Light. To me, it seems like a great afternoon. Yeah, uh, Yeah, I guess I'll just pass on that, though probably uh, so. a, probably a good choice and uh man I, you know sometime i should go to a rams game just so i can write a blog post about it or something i'm sure that'd get about 10 clicks to be well worth uh, the time invested of course in week 10 no falcons colts chargers and 49ers they're all on by good timing for the colts as andrew luck's obviously going to miss some time with those kidney and abdominal issues but no matt ryan no philip rivers either so uh, some difficult bye week pickups perhaps in some leagues maybe Kirk Cousins against the Saints rolling in some season-long leagues fantasy football just got a whole lot more interesting in week 10 DraftKings will be hosting yet another millionaire maker event with one million dollars going to first place go to DraftKings.com now enter the promo code 
Rotowire to play for free with your first deposit on DraftKings. It's promo code Rotowire for a free entry now with your first deposit at DraftKings.com. This isn't fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. As we do every Friday, and a thank you to Nick Whalen, who's definitely not listening to this podcast uh, this afternoon, this evening, this weekend. Thanks to Nick for covering for me last week while I was in Arizona. Uh, we're going to start building out our millionaire maker lineups, looking at each position, trying to find some value there. Tom Brady, $8,600 this week, Mario, on the road against the Giants. Should be the highest scoring game on the board, at least if the Vegas over-unders mean anything. 8600 compared to Aaron Rodgers at 7500 Is it worth it to pay the premium for Brady this week? I wouldn't say that picking Brady would hurt your team, but I don't know if it's the necessary value to finish high, especially in like uh, this tournament. But that's that's largely because I'm, I have a lot of faith in like Rodgers immediately below him at 75, uh, 7,500, that is, um, at home against the stupid Lions who can't do anything. And Rodgers is... Rodgers, I'm sure, is not like a petty person, but he's like he's the kind of person who would hold kind of a grudge against the world. I think of about the last two weeks that he's put up with. So I think the Lions are going to pay a hefty price for the irritation that Rodgers has uh, dealt with. I love. Uh, and I'm sure it's reassuring for everybody to put money on narratives like that. But 7,500 is also cheap for Rogers at home against the stupid Lions. Everything else removed from consideration. Yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate that you've added the stupid in front of the Lions because it is a little redundant, but I think it's necessary. And I think what Rogers is going to do to the Lions is going to be, I mean, he did it kind of at the end of the game. Uh, in Carolina, someone showed him the last play of the game and Randall Cobb was wide open after the obvious pick. Like there was a huge, there should have been a penalty for setting a pick on that play. And he, he looks at it on that Microsoft surface, oh, I just, and he just whips it to the ground. I assumed it froze on him. Oh, no. No, I mean, it probably did. It's a Microsoft product, but um, bottom line Please was— Please don't I, kill us, Microsoft. I, I, I just—my Microsoft products would freeze all the time, so that's personal experience. That's all I'm saying. Rogers, I think, showed his displeasure for that device in a way that— I think he will treat the Lions the same. Like I, I think he will do the exact same thing to the Lions that he did to that tablet at the end of maybe, the game last week. Maybe the tablet was working great and he wasn't watching film of that play, but he just saw the Lions helmet logo. Like He, he was hallucinating the logo upon it and just couldn't take the disgust. Yeah, that, that could be. I mean, he just doesn't, doesn't like the Lions, but I, I mean, Jim Caldwell and Jim Bob Cooter, are they really going to go in there and, and beat the Packers for the first time at Lambeau since 91? Probably not. I, the only thing I hope the Lions can do is put up enough points to where Rodgers isn't handing the ball off to Starks and Lacey throughout the second half of this game. I want Rodgers to have one of those weeks where he throws it 35 times and yeah. gets you 350 yards and four TDs. Yeah, if, they, if they're to the point where they need to like run out the clock rather than giving the ball to those two, I'd, I'd just go bourbon bowl. But, yeah. Nice. I like it. Drew Brees, 7,400. Cam Newton, 7,100. Uh, Probably both worth considering. I'm not going anywhere near Carson Palmer at 6,900 going on the road to Seattle. I mean, why Why would you unless you want to try to steer away from what the masses are doing and get a potential low ownership QB, but he's the fifth most expensive guy on the board. Breeze has been playing very well really for the better part of the last five or six weeks now. Had, of course, the 7 TD game against the Giants a couple of weeks back. On the road, though, kind of a different story. Do you like him against Washington? Um, not really, but I've I've I'm just been wrong about Breeze the last month or so. I I I'm still clinging to my in the early season perception I have of him, which is obviously outdated at this point. I mean, well, two games, ten touchdowns, that is convincing, but it is only two games. Either way, he's going on the road where it's. The, I mean, the splits are they speak for themselves. 
but uh yeah like if we're going if we're going for someone in that range like the non brady non rogers i think i would just go all the way down to eli at 67 because um another convenient narrative he's going against tom brady he never loses against tom brady dude no he gets more motivated to play against tom brady than he against tries other to do well now yeah he's trying to cement his own legacy against brady's i'm, I'm sure uh 6700 is a good price though because you expect the new england offense to put up plenty of points with that you get lots of attempts for manning yes so that looks good andy dalton at 6500 is not bad i guess the concern there is the houston offense maybe can't keep pace with the Bengals, and you see a heavy dose of jeremy hill and geo bernard so while seems 60, like a good cash game option at least right yeah i mean well it may be it may be a good tournament though too because mm-hmm. I, I think you're going to see a lot of people just pay up for rogers and newton this week those are the two guys that i feel like are going to be pretty heavily owned at the quarterback position because tennessee even though they've played well in a handful of games this year and maybe the things that were going wrong for them with Ken Wisenhunt will start to go right now that he's out of the picture. 7000 for Cam Newton at Tennessee looks pretty nice. Yeah, the soup can is a better coach than Ken Wisenhunt, and I think that the, I think Malarkey is even more qualified than a soup can. Malarkey is a word that I feel like my, my grandmother used to use for malarkey. garbage. Yeah, like, m- malarkey, not moo. Like, you're full of crap. Like, she'd just say, that's malarkey. Yep. Mularkey is the coach. Mularkey is Ken Winston Hunt. Huh. If that makes any sense. Sort of. I'm not, not my mind starting M A Larkey Ken Winston Hunt, but Mularkey is the oh, current head coach. Spelling, yeah. yeah. Mo, like the my grandma's expression is spelled with an A, but the coach is spelled with exactly. A now I follow. I'm a little slow. It was uh, it was a big greasy lunch today. <laughs> Peyton Manning, sixty two hundred. No thanks. Home against the Chiefs. I just I he's no. averaging fourteen point three fantasy points per game on DraftKings this season. So I'm gonna go ahead and, and steer away from that. I do think Russell Wilson at fifty nine hundred is a solid tournament option. Arizona's defense isn't bad, but Wilson's had a couple good games against them. His last two meetings against them, he runs a lot against the Cards. We'll see if that holds up. That might be. I'm guessing they do a lot, a lot of man coverage, uh, if only because of the legend of Patrick Peterson. And man coverage is where Wilson will kill you because if you're running downfield with receivers instead of looking back at the backfield in your zones, uh, he's tough to contain. Yeah, so that might be the. The secret there as far as Russell Wilson goes. What do you think about Derek Carr at 5,800? That Minnesota defense is at least average and probably better than average, but Carr averaging more than 20 points per game this season on DraftKings, 5,800. He's at home. Is this a good spot to go? In a GPP, I think it's worth firing up because, again, that, that Minnesota linebacker duo of Kendricks and Barr is beat up. Uh, Barr is a, is a crucial pass rusher in that scheme. So if he's if he's limited, it sounds like they'll both play, or at least Barr seems like he'll play. He practiced limited, I think, today. Um, but yeah, those two beat up, and Xavier Rhodes is like the new Mario Edwards of the NFL. They're just throwing flags at him all the time. So uh, Carr has shown the ability to produce against like the best defenses he's faced this year, Denver aside. But uh, on the other hand, he hasn't really seen any good defenses, so we'll see but yeah Carr is very convincing love the the receiver combo of cooper and crabtree is looking great uh if, if murray's playing that that's a little more insurance too i i probably am not going to pick him this week I, I, I picked him last week and felt like i dodged a bullet with those touchdowns coming in uh to save the day but uh yeah i'd, I'd probably go to bortles at 5600 in this range as, as my favorite option list was trying to push sam bradford on me during the xm show today i mean he's 5700 again a lot of points expected in the eagles dolphins game do you buy the idea that maybe the eagles with all the new personnel they brought in this offseason 
would take a half season to start to click offensively and that maybe in the second half of the season, they're going to start to resemble the offense we expected them to be all along. It totally makes sense. It's just that I don't, I don't know how much uh, – definitely some of the regression in that offense is just the rest of the NFL knowing who Chip Kelly is now because it's not like Nick Foles had a whole year and a half to learn – that first year where he came in and threw 27 touchdowns to two interceptions, Bradford's got 10 of each of those after eight games. So seems like there's also the personnel is worse than it was back then. But uh, yeah, not just that it's new personnel. It's like the worst personnel uh, teams knowing the scheme a little bit. But with that said, I mean, if, if the tempo is right and the matchup is right, even, you know, crap performance from Bradford can equal a good one in fantasy. So I wouldn't rule it out, especially with, I mean, the, the Dolphins have kind of been in like wacky games all year where it's like somebody's blowing out somebody. So maybe maybe one of the quarterbacks in that game will have an amazing game and the, the other will throw for like 40 yards or whatever. 41-10 Eagles, perhaps. And I have to wonder, too, if uh, if Chip Kelly is a card-carrying member of the Magician's Alliance. Like, is he is he a part of that? I don't think he believes in magic. I think he... I think he he wouldn't call it magic if it existed he would have some kind of like scientific uh alternate term for it because he's like all about you know spreadsheets or whatever yeah he he does seem to be uh, the big data coach but uh kind of interested to see uh or figure out how exactly he made nick Foles what he was in 2013 i think it's because i think it's because he collected more urine samples back then like ever since ever since guys have been weird about the urine samples they've obviously fallen off for that reason so nick Foles, without question was like yeah you want some of my pee bro sure and then he got the necessary hydration as right. dictated by the spreadsheet and then threw 27 touchdowns and two interceptions and now everybody's like chip stop asking for that stuff man so in philly Nick Foles, very well hydrated in St. Louis. Foles is drinking Bud Light for breakfast or something and just super dehydrated? It turns out I didn't think through this theory. I bet I bet it didn't really have much to do with anything. I think it just took the league by surprise from the tempo and everybody else was so poorly conditioned on defense that they just got really tired against them. Yeah, it's probably an Occam's Razor sort of thing. But a couple more names to throw at you here. Marcus Mariota, 5,300. Not bad against Carolina. Defense he's is awesome. Good, but Mariota's a good player. He's a good awesome. Price. I don't think people are talking about how, enough how awesome he is, but I, I hate the matchup, so I won't be picking him. Fair enough. The one TD pass he threw to Delaney Walker last week should have been a pick. Two Saints defenders collided. Ball popped up off their shoulder. Like Walker he didn't know that was going to happen. Come on, it was intentional. He knew with the. He was just trying to make them look like a bunch. He tried to make like a Monty Python touchdown or something. Yeah, it worked. It looked like a Monty Python touchdown. Yeah. Matthew Stafford at fifty four hundred. If you buy into the idea of the Packers putting up a lot of points this week, which seems easy, Stafford getting a lot of attempts also makes a lot of sense. Is that a good price at fifty four hundred? It would have to be in garbage time. I am not convinced that that team can compete with anybody right now. Can we say the words garbage time anymore, or does Katie Nolan have that trademarked? I don't know the reference there. I know Katie Nolan, who That's that her is. show. It's called oh, Garbage Time. Oh, are we going to get sued now? Probably. Uh, well, that was lowercase garbage time for the ref. And if it, if the show is two words, I made a new one that is a single word and still lowercase, so there's no confusion here. Real quick sidebar. Do you watch BoJack Horseman on Netflix? No, but I might eventually. You might like that show. And there's a there's a scene where they they have a banner hanging up, and one of the characters is Mr. Peanut Butter. I don't. It's, so I've actually seen a little bit of it, so I, I'm I'm familiar with the general surrealist nature of it. Perfect. Well, so they they must call in to order the banner at some point, which isn't part of the show. But you see this banner, and it says, "Congratulations, Mr. Peanut Butter." 
and Diane. And then also underneath that says, peanut butter is one word. Do not write this. And it was like all printed on the banner because that's just how life is. You know, people just don't follow directions and they would just take everything you say literally and print all of it on the banner. Well, now I won't do that. But yeah, peanut butter, definitely not one word outside of BoJack Horseman. I, I think it's a funny show. It's It's got its own unique feel to it, to uh, to say the least. Last quarterback I want to ask you about, Kirk Cousins. I, on principle, will never own Kirk Cousins. I want to fade him everywhere, every week, all the time. And fading him most of the time isn't really even a strategy. It's just a way of life. This week, people like him a lot at 5,200 because Why? he's home and he's against <sighs> the Saints defense, which is awful. 5,200 on Kirk Cousins. Are you doing it? No. I'd rather, I'd, again, like, if I'm going in this range, it's going to be Bortles for me because I am I think Bortles can be a good player, and I know he's got good receivers, and I know he's playing. Well, I, th- I think I'm still going with Ravens defense worse than Saints, but we'll see. Maybe I'll get burned for this. Like Kirk Cousins is just, just a nemesis to me more than a, a fantasy consideration. Yeah, I, um, I, I saw him on the Dan Patrick show. Last year he was at Michigan State. They had him on as a guest, Ugh. and they asked him to sing that. Remember that song called "Friday" by Rebecca Black that yeah. showed up for a while, and she had to like leave school because everyone was bullying her, which really sucks. It's you horrible. can bully rich kids. I yeah. Wow. Apparently you can. I, that I must have been a very rich school. Where they say, all, probably they other, overruled her probably own other riches. rich kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did okay, it. never mind. I get it. But nevertheless, he was singing that song on the Dan Patrick Show, and from that moment, I have just I can't. I can't get on board with Kirk Cousins. I can't take him seriously. It's the same thing that happened with Nick Foles. There was some ESPN show back when Foles was finishing up at Arizona. They had a bunch of four quarterbacks in, and they were trying to throw a football through, I don't know, like a tire 20 yards away or into a garbage can, and Foles couldn't do it. And I just thought, there's no way this guy can be a good quarterback in the NFL. I think that's totally reasonable. you got to throw it through the tire. If you can't do that, how are you going to read a defense and hit a moving target? You can't can read a away? tire, my man? Try 11 defenders. <laughs> Maybe the Bud Light problem was happening then, too. By the way, no uh, no like actual legs to the Nick Foles drinks beer before games or anything. It's just a, a theory that the dehydration has been a problem for him since he left Philadelphia. Moving on to the running backs for the three of you who are still listening. Uh, Todd Gurley leading the way at 7,300, home against the Bears. Chalky, but probably pretty good play because I don't think the Bears can do a whole lot against that St. Louis defense, especially if Alshon Jeffrey is banged up or possibly absent. You got Adrian Peterson at 7,100 against Oakland. That seems pretty good as well. Forte, if he goes, a 6,800. Too risky for me. I'm just going to walk away from him right now. Uh, Marshawn Lynch at 67. I'm a little concerned now with that abdominal injury. And then you got D'Angelo Williams at 6,500. Of those five, though, I think I like D'Angelo Williams the most because Cleveland has been a sieve against the run all season long. I think my favorite of that group is Adrian Peterson, but I can't really justify it with... Well, actually, I can justify it with a little data. Like His his red zone attempt volume has been lagging this year, and I, I feel like he's due for a situation where he like you know corrects the average. But uh, if Derek Carr has a really good game, then my Peterson pick is you know crap probably or at least you know unremarkable but yeah i, d- I definitely understand the d'angelo williams thinking I'm, I'm just slightly worried about landry jones being so awful that they stack the run and you know keep them to a, a reasonable box score that someone like you know mark ingram or somebody else in the ra- like i would definitely prefer demarco murray at uh, 6200 over any of those guys for what it's worth i was surprised at the ownership rates on demarco murray when i saw them come out last week uh, after those games started it was pretty 
pretty low for a guy going up against Dallas but in a revenge game, no less. But it was a Damn. favorable matchup at a good price. I mean, that was the, the key to Murray. Uh, we know that the narrative of Eagles terrible forever, no hope, is stronger than the narrative of former team. I would just think if you graphed out the, the Eagles' ownership rates from the season, it'd be insane. 45 in week one. Yeah, yeah. it'd be like broken off the page in week one, week two, maybe week three, and then you'd see like this sharp slope down. It, it, it's like the number of dinosaurs that live, then the the asteroid, and that, like that's, that's, <laughs> that's like... Exactly. Yeah. They, the Eagles are, are the dinosaurs, or their, their ownership rate at least are the dinosaurs, which is the... Uh, which is a great way to visualize that. Uh, I do like Murray at 6,200. I'm not crazy about Justin Forsett at 6,000, but I never really am. Doug Martin at 5,600 interests me against Dallas, though. I think last week the the light volume was a little bit of a fluke with Martin. Yeah, I mean, they like Charles Sims a lot, and uh, the fumble is always a legitimate reason to bench a player forever, but... I think they'll go back to him. It, I mean, they have reason to let him play well this year, if only so they can get like a decent compensatory pick if somebody signs him in free agency. But yeah, at home, Romo's not back, so the Dallas offense probably sucks still, um, or at least isn't so good that they can truly pull away. Um, this should actually be a pretty close game with a good number of points scored, I think. So I do like Martin at 5,600, and I, I like most of the players a little bit, like, yeah, a little bit anyway. Yeah, I saw the point spread earlier. It's not much. I think it's one or There's no two defense in this game, but there is. There, it's like you got Des Bryant and Mike Evans in this game, but no defenses. Like, that's pretty much all I need to hear. It seems like a good time to use at least one of Mike Evans and Des Bryant. We'll think about that once we get to the receivers. Lamar Miller, 5,400 against the Eagles. That's a pretty good price for a guy that's really played at a high level since Dan Campbell took over as the Dolphins head coach. Yeah, I don't know what to think of this one. The The Eagles' run defense has done well, but as we've seen, Miller is a really good pass catcher, and man, he's, he's had some huge games recently. Um, I probably won't pick him that much, but 5,400 I think is an objectively good like projected value for a player with his recent usage and his you know the the explosiveness he's he's uh demonstrated throughout his whole career rest of the season would you rather have lamar miller or Devonte freeman oh man that is a tough question um wow uh i, I would say Devonte just because i feel like there's fewer concerns about his surrounding team but uh lamar miller is the better player in my opinion weird thing about the dolphins is that they seem to be interested in getting jay ajayi more carries and it's not because i don't like jay ajayi jay ajayi is good man i was it's a fear of lamar miller i had a fear of lamar miller going into the season i didn't want him i was price enforcing in stopa league turned down that brady offer for him early like before the season even started like an idiot in a two-quarterback league was miserable with Lamar Miller for a few weeks. Joe Philbin finally gets fired. Lamar Miller looks awesome, and now I'm afraid to trade him away. I need to go trade Lamar Miller. I need to stop the podcast and go trade away Lamar Miller as soon as I can because Jay Ajayi's coming. Yeah, I mean, Jay Ajayi does have that arthritic knee that everybody's worried about, but I mean, in the meantime, if he can play like he did last week, it's like, how are you going to keep that guy off the field? He's good. But Lamar Miller is really good, too. I mean, let's be clear. He's really good. He This this should have been what's been going on the last t- two years if they weren't so stupid on that organization. You know what seems like a good thing for an arthritic knee is only having to play half the season. That seems like a good thing for an arthritic knee. Just, yeah. just throwing that out you there. You can finish strong when a DVR Lamar Miller team is trying to make the playoff push. I'll let everybody know if I trade Lamar Miller because he'll go like top three the rest of the season if I get rid of him. Like I, I'll, I'm always wrong on Lamar Miller, so trust me, this, this can only get worse. 
Jeremy Hill, 5,300 against Houston. Nah, not really interested there. I like James Starks a little bit at 4,900, though. Because really, really quickly, sorry. Jeremy Hill has been amazingly bad this year. 344 yards on 104 carries. That's like 3.1. He's I don't get it. Anyway. That's like Trent Richardson level. Yeah, it, it's crazy. He's so bad right now. It makes no sense to me. Anyway, moving on. Starks at 4,900 is pretty interesting. I don't buy Mike McCarthy's breakdown of his backfield beyond this week. I think Eddie Lacy is always going to look the way he looks. I don't think he's gained weight. I don't think he's chunky. Dude, I think he's gained weight. Like it, he has gained weight from his Alabama days at the very least. Like he's like 20, 25 pounds bigger. Right. But he's been that since he arrived in Green Bay, I it seems like. That I, first thought he lo- training camp, I thought he looked, like, he looked like, like another 8 to 10 pounds this year personally. Like he's got like if at the very least we have to say before this year he was trying to suck in his gut a bit cuz like right now he is not trying. <laughs> he's just letting it drop. I think the well-trained camera people in the Green Bay area are just waiting for him to exhale every time, and he's one of those guys that just takes good deep breaths in and long exhales, and that's why everything just gets pushed out. He's he's basically like Randy in Trailer Park Boys right now. It's out of hand. Do you do you think that's a better show than Venture Brothers? No, but very totally indifferent. There's no comparison, just in terms of uh, you know the overall method there. Yeah, I was just saying if I had basically the bandwidth to watch one, you know, which woman should I go with? Trailer Park Boys will hit you faster, but uh, Venture Brothers takes some investment to like understand the uniqueness of it, and it's you know it's self-reference type stuff. But Venture Brothers is a better show. Venture Brothers is like the best thing ever, pretty much. All right, uh, I got to get into Curb Your Enthusiasm still too. I've saved that, which is amazing. As a Seinfeld guy, I love Seinfeld. You're gonna I like that show a lot. Never went into Curb, and I, I, that's my winter. Like this, this stupid winter we're about to have, where it's probably Dude, you're minus gonna, ten degrees. You're gonna like it so much; day. it's just gonna be your like half winter. You're not gonna go through the whole winter. You think I'll burn through it before the end of the You'll year? You'll get through it in like a month. Yeah, so maybe at Christmas time, I'll have to, yeah. to ask for something else. Well, hopefully, take a, use some vacation time to watch Curb Your Enthusiasm. Santa Claus has been just completely hosing me for 30, 30 years. So hopefully, <laughs> oh, you're thirty one. Is better, um, but I gotta get I gotta get through curb. Uh, Darren McFadden, you're one of your heroes. I'm using him. Forty nine hundred. Not gonna a question. He's going to be in every one of them. All every of single them. one. Yeah. Legarrette Blunt at forty nine hundred too. Do you Probably like going to be in like a third of them. Ninety eight hundred for a nice back uh, backfield tandem. I might there. have to go higher than that for Blount. Like he's 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 a pretty good fit on that team. And what are they going to do? Give it to somebody else? I don't know. No, they they will not. Uh, T.J. Yeldon and Charkandrick West, both at 4,800. Then <laughs> you got Gio Bernard at 4,700, inexplicably still cheaper than Jeremy Hill. Is there a point where he's ever going to pass Jeremy Hill in his DraftKings salary? I don't think so because I think they have like a volatility variable or something. And if you look before last week, there was a one-carry game, an eight-carry game. Maybe it's like if you have a standard deviation that's too high, you just kind of get like a cutoff figure and like – you can't get over 5,000 unless the deviation drops, or at least there's a ratio of deviation to the per-game fantasy point average or something. But, yeah, I mean, as cheap as he is, I'm not going to pick him. I just I hate trying to figure out that backfield. That offense as a whole, it's difficult to know who exactly is going to go there's off a lot in a given people. week because there's so yeah. many good weapons. But Sharkandrick West, as much as we like at Son of Bum's defense, I mean, their vulnerability is the run, and if the Chiefs are going to hang around in this game, they're going to have to move the chains, grind out the clock, and, and do it that way. So, I mean, is Charkandrick West at 4800 kind of a good, I don't want to say under-the-radar play, but a guy that you can go after at a fair price who 
simply may not have that many people on him uh, because the, the matchup on, at first glance looks like a tough matchup. Yeah, those those are all fair points, and he did have a good game against Pittsburgh, whose run defense has been pretty good. Um, I don't know about playing at mile high, though, and even with the keep to leave out, that Denver secondary has this cornerback personnel to just shut down Macklin or whatever else they got going, and I don't know that they need to pay attention to the to the pass whatsoever. So I won't be picking Sharkandrick West, but he, he he seems like a good bet for twenty carries. It's just I'm worried about it being like seventy yards or something. So for everybody who I've seen on Twitter or heard on podcast radio wherever who were all over Kirk Cousins this week, Shane Vereen has probably twice as many people who who want a piece forty three hundred. On DraftKings, the thing there, I think, is that the Giants will have to dump it off a lot with Manning throwing it no, 35 dude, to 40 times. No, dude, it's a revenge times. game. And, and, and oh, that, that's, what, that's why people actually like it. It has nothing to do with the tactics. It has nothing to do with the game flow. It is 100% revenge. This is a revenge-driven media frenzy that we live in right I now. I mean, to be fair, he is, like, the second-best receiver on that team. Yeah, and that's an indictment of the lack of talent of Ruben Randall. Right, that and the lack of uh, patellar tendon in Victor Cruz's knee. Which is disappointing, because yeah. I, I liked Victor Cruz, Victor Cruz when he had really the patellar good. tendon. He was a fun player. Yeah, Jermaine Crowell didn't come back from that. I don't really have my hopes up for Victor, but Victor was great But when, he, when it lasted, at least. Well, if Victor, if you're listening, we, we'd love to have you on the pod. We, we miss you on the field, but if, if you know, we can't get you back on the field, we'd love to chat with you on the pod. Uh, Jonathan Stewart, 4,300, always cheap. I mean, I can see Carolina holding a lead in that game and the volume being there again. I, I, I like Jonathan Stewart every week, and it seems like in season long I'm higher on him than most. I know we worry about the bookshelf getting his share of carries around the goal line. Then we worry about Cam Newton getting some touches, getting some goal line runs too, but... Jonathan Stewart at 4300 seems like he's about $1,000 underpriced again this week. I, I agree with that. And when you watch him play, like it sucks to tackle him. Like it, it would look like it would really suck to have to tackle him. So even though his, his totals might not impress, like he, he looks better. Like he's hit, All of his yards are tough. Um, the, the offense basically, like other than Cam, obviously it runs through him and like the beating that he takes in the middle of the field to open up the outside parts. But I don't think I'm going to pick him this week. I, it, it's stupid, though, because it, it, like, if you believe that Tennessee has no chance in this game, then you would expect Stewart to at least get, like, you know, run out the clock carries. But um, otherwise, and like in this range, like it's, I don't, I would almost prefer Antonio Andrews in that game at 3,700 uh, just because Andrews can catch passes at least. Um, not that they've used him that much in that role, but he can catch a lot of passes in terms of skill set. And he somehow keeps having these good rushing games, which makes no sense to me because he ran like a four eight five. but whatever. Um, anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm probably not going to make any room for either of those guys too much since McFadden and Blount are so cheap anyway. But it's it's hard to argue against the logic of using either one. Anything in the $3,500 or $3,000 price range at running back that you're thinking about this week? Maybe someone who's going to play a little more because of an Ryan injury. Matthews is 3500 That's really cheap. Um, yeah, that is good. It's just like... I'm probably not going to go after that, but I think in GPP, it's pretty easy to argue that it makes sense. And Charles Sims, uh, there, I think there's room for both him and Doug Martin to have good games there, especially if Sims gets something going as a receiver, which is his only like really unique skill. I don't think he's a very good runner, but... Uh, either way like those guys are so cheap who knows um, I, i'm not gonna go with any of them though is, is alfred morris just like not a player anymore he's, he's a ghost he's gone wow it's over 
I, yeah, I didn't notice because I didn't care. But uh, yeah, wow, 10 carries. I guess that's why it's 3,300. No, I'm not interested in any of those players, really. Looking at the receiver pool, you get Antonio Brown and Odell Beckham at the top, $8,800 each. If Ben Roethlisberger does somehow play, and we should know hopefully before kickoff on that, I would think that if he's not going to play, he'd be potentially inactive. But nevertheless, if Roethlisberger goes, do you just go ahead and plug Brown in last minute? Because it seems like he's gotten the best of the Browns, even when Joe Hayden has been healthy and, and more like the, the Joe Hayden we've seen for the better part of his career. That would make a lot of sense to pick him if Roethlisberger's in. If Roethlisberger's out, you would be crazy to pick him because Odell Beckham against the Patriots at home, 8,800. I don't have to think about There's No no coin is necessary for flipping in this particular case. Um, but yeah, if, if, he, if Roethlisberger's out, I'm not considering him at all. Are you anchoring on Beckham, Hopkins at 8,700, Edelman at 82, Bryant at 78? I haven't tried to fit in the receivers yet in my lineup, but... Uh, I'm I'm tempted by Dez at 7,800. I'm tempted uh, Mike Evans at 60. I'm going all in on Evans probably this week because I'm sure people are going to look. I think it would be entirely wrong to look at the six drops thing as a reason to not pick Evans. I think it's a reason to just like go crazy all in on him because if he's dropping six passes and still doing that, especially when you combine the fact that he doesn't have a history of dropping passes, it just shows that like he has an enormous role in that offense and he can still put up a huge box score even if he has the worst game of his life yeah i'm definitely with you there i'm thinking about aj green at 76 i'm thinking about kelvin johnson at 7500 not going to go with either one of the denver receivers unless emmanuel sanders is ruled out if that happens i think demarius probably gets bumped into my lineup ahead of kelvin and ahead of aj green because yeah. i'd expect another four or five targets to go his way for sure yeah if, if sanders is out that's pretty big for thomas because at 7400 that's that's very affordable for someone of his skill level who would at that at, at that target volume he would have in that case i do like evans though at 6800 you got alan robinson and randall cobb at 6700 that's pretty tempting alan uh, robinson amari cooper is only 6800 do you worry about the matchup against xavier rhodes or do you figure that the well because here's the thing it's not like cooper gets the yardage when rhodes gets called for a million penalties like that's the that's the downside to that matchup and rhodes getting constantly flagged right but it would give an incentive to go back at him the next play uh I'm not. I don't think it changes anything for me for Cooper. I, I think he's. I think he's a pretty close to unless he's going against like a Revis or a, the Seahawks type of situation. I'm just not really worried about the matchup for him because I think he's shown. <clears throat> excuse me. That he's 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 an above average starting NFL receiver right now. In the way that team is built, they have to make him part of the game plan every week. So if Carr doesn't tank, I don't think Cooper will. I don't think there's a scenario where Carr can have a good game and Cooper doesn't. Matthews uh, is sixty two hundred. Cooks is six thousand. I think Michael Crabtree at fifty eight hundred still pretty interesting because it seems like he's the player uh, that the Niners drafted several years ago, as opposed to the guy that left San Francisco after last season. Uh, really, kind of doing a nice job resurrecting his career. He does look good in Oakland, so I I, I think that's a fair price for him. Jeremy Macklin at 5,500, not going to happen this week. I, I think I'm staying away from Hearns because there's enough other guys I like where even if he's active, that injury is enough to where I'm not going to use him in this daily setting. Deshaun Jackson's kind of interesting to me as a tournament play at 5,400, even though I don't really like Cousins. And the reason why I like Jackson is it sounds like he was able to do a bit more in practice. We talked earlier about how the Saints defense really is the worst in the league, most generous to opposing passers so far this year. What do you think about Jackson as a tournament play? It's hard to argue against, but uh, 
yeah, it's 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 also hard to make an argument for given that he hasn't really played this year. Um, it's not in my nature to go after the player like him. At, at, if he was like f- below five thousand, I'd probably think a lot harder about it. But in the meantime, it's like I can't convince myself to take a Deshaun Jackson over, like for instance, Taven Austin at forty eight hundred, or even Pierre Garcon at forty eight hundred. Um, but yeah, I I I I actually am getting on the Taven Austin hype train. I never thought I'd be here, but here I am. It's a strange place to be. Stephon Diggs, fifty one hundred against the Raiders, coming off a disappointing game, but I kind of like that price on him. If you want to save a little money for that second or third receiver spot, I think he's probably the what the third <laughs> third most famous Stephon behind Stephon Marbury and Stephon Urkel. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I don't know who one of those is, but I was gonna say if Sean Hill is starting, who's, who's sorry, who's the backup in Minnesota? I don't even know this. Sean Hill. Oh, okay. Oh, I was shocked to see him playing last week when Bridgewater. That got was so out of that cynical game. of me to just assume Sean Hill was start was the backup quarterback for some NFC North team. Um, he always is. Yeah, but uh, anyway, so if he's in, I would not consider that really a download or download down <laughs> a down vote perhaps or even a downgrade, if you will, uh, for Stephon Diggs just because Bridgewater hasn't been that good this year and it seems like the targets for Diggs are based on uh the scheme like they're they're funneling targets to him because north turner is is not a stupid coach and he knows where his best players are i probably should spend more time on on reddit at some point but don't i mean don't why why not I mean, what's the downside at this point i i mean everything you could lose everything <laughs> you could lose i could lose all i don't know i just i think never mind i'm not gonna the closet with the greg jennings fathead i could lose <laughs> all of it golden tate 4600 sort of interesting but i'm passing over him because Devonte adams is 4200 i like that oh, quite a bit brandon I'm, lafell's 4100 yeah lafell and adams i i, I don't i'm getting sour on adams as a prospect but his role getting targets from aaron Rodgers that speaks for itself at 4200 i'm going after that i'm not ready to say he's marcus wheaton 2.0 yet i saw that scroll by my timeline it's like that's that's a pretty big insult um yeah we're not gonna talk about that um anyway if <laughs> no, do you want to no um brandon lafell though is, is i think he's i was actually just saying on the radio show that i was talking on like i actually like his chances for kind of a breakout game too like he kind of already had one last week but he's getting eight he's got 24 targets in those first three games back uh tom brady is the quarterback eight targets from tom brady is like a safe you know 72 yard half of a touchdown projection and he hasn't scored a touchdown on 11 catches yet i like his chances in this week so adams and lafell are both players worth building around in my opinion yeah i might have both in a couple of lineups yeah that's like a totally good wide receiver two three ten i might think the preliminary look that seems like a great way to go about it because it's going to open up some money uh, at other positions anything else you'd like at the receiver position some cheaper options here i mean michael floyd's kind of against the grain this week at 3800 against seattle uh 3900 on Ruben Randall's not bad. I just I don't like Ruben Randall enough, but that's that's actually a he's good spot at he's a good re- price. He's really bad. Uh only players at this range I would look at are uh where is a uh, let me see. Green Beckham is 3200. He got 10 targets last week and it's it seems like the team has reason to make that happen again. Uh, obviously the matchup is awful, but on the other hand, uh let me see something real quick. Uh Kendall Wright is out, so maybe he will get Josh Norman, never mind um yeah i don't know it's a gpp only thing but doriel green beckham and i don't know maybe like jameson crowder if you're really desperate or something cole beasley three thousand coming off a big game wait cole beasley is three thousand he's three thousand 
everyone knows I do not like Cole Beasley as a player, but man, that is, that is pretty tempting. Nine catches the last week. Oof. Was he hurt the weeks before that, or was he just really bad? Like he didn't do, he didn't catch a pass for two weeks. He okay. He, he <laughs> never. I'm not picking Cole seven. Beasley. I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> not gonna do it. Looking at that game log, can't can't really get on board. Let's quick take a quick look at the tight end position. Gronk. 8,000. It's really been a long time since Gronk Gronked all over the place, and it seems like this would be a good spot for him to do it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and I'm as I almost I look at Gronk the opposite of the way I do most players. Like if I pick Gronk and I don't get a huge game, I double down the next week for sure. Uh, whereas the rest of the time, I am irrationally like bitter about it and pick players who are less likely to do well. Uh, but yet, I'm going to try to make room for him. 8,000 is not easy when there's my man Gary Barnage at 4,800, for instance, and Kelsey at 4,800 I like. Uh, but yeah, who knows? Do we like Jordan Reed if they're going against the worst defense of all time out there? I do. Even though I don't like Kirk Cousins, I do like Jordan Reed at 4,600. Kind of player that you really get frustrated with in season long because of the propensity for injury, but in a daily context, you got to like the... There are probably, what, 10 tight ends that cost more than Reed this week or he, nine? He's got to be like a top seven tight end right now, right? Yeah, he's PPR a, anyway. He should probably cost more like 5100 and that he costs 4600 I think, is a really nice discount. If you want to go super cheap at tight end. There's a bunch of good tight end options. What about Kyle Rudolph against the Raiders? They've had some trouble covering tight ends this year. Only 3000 If you just want to kind of go against the grain, GPP, save some money, 3000 on Kyle Rudolph doesn't seem that bad. Yeah, I mean him. I would I would really consider. I like Benjamin Watson at forty three hundred. Like he's a part of that offense. For, like he's just a part of it. Uh, I don't I don't worry about the fluke factor with him. Um, Eric Ebron at thirty three hundred is kind of interesting. Keith Miller is always a little bit interesting, but uh, I'm probably gonna I'm probably gonna go mostly with uh, Barnage. I guess just because I'm I'm just totally sold on Barnage. So I was thinking about going. For defense is just going Broncos and not even thinking about it. They're thirty four hundred. Uh, the Cardinals are thirty nine hundred. Rams are thirty six hundred. Home against the Bears. Seahawks are thirty five hundred. So the Broncos are the fourth most expensive defense. They're home against Kansas City. I know there's no Talib, but Denver should still be good enough to get to Alex Smith. You know, four or five sacks, a pick, maybe a defensive or a special teams TD. Uh, should I just use the Broncos this week? Is there someone else that you like matchup wise who I should consider instead? I'll probably have to think hard about picking the Packers, actually, because I think Matt Stafford is awful, and I think the defense of the Packers, while not good, I think it, it in certain situations can at least be opportunistic, both in the pass rush and pass defense. Uh, so yeah, I'm not worried about the Detroit running game undoing the Packers, and I'm really not worried about Stafford doing that. So I'm going to have to think about that. Um, but yeah otherwise i mean it makes sense to just go for the broncos because they're just so reliable it's not as if they're going against a good team or anything they're at home i'm not worried about Talib being suspended two more uh, last minute updates here ben roethlisberger even though he's officially listed as questionable uh, according to uh, i believe that's jerry Dulock, like the town in shrek um, he's uh, from the pittsburgh post gazette suggests that roethlisberger has no chance of playing in the contest which that sounds like a sober man. It sounds like a man who's really, really sad about the state of things in Pittsburgh for this week. So, I don't know. I mean, you could take that with the appropriate grain of salt. If he really had no chance of playing, the Steelers would probably have listed him as out. But really? I don't know. Gamesmanship or, or whatever. Uh, so, it looks like it's going to be Landry Jones for the Steelers. Adjust your expectations for the Steelers' offense accordingly. It's kind of what we've been expecting all week, but just it looks like maybe a smokescreen from the Steelers as far as that questionable tag goes. Uh, John Brown... 
still slowed by a hamstring injury. He's listed as questionable for Sunday's game in Seattle. You know, I mentioned Michael Floyd as a cheap receiver option. If Brown doesn't play, you know, you have Fitz out there. Do you think more about Floyd because you don't have three guys trying to chop up targets against a great Seattle defense? Yeah, and I don't imagine that Richard Sherman would see that much of Floyd. You'd probably uh, see Fitz. Yeah, I would. I, would, I don't. Yeah, I, I got to do some reading on how they do their cornerback alignments. But uh, yeah, if 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 Brown is out, but I don't think we're going to hear anything. Conf- you know confirmation wise on that because everybody Sunday thought, night every, everybody thought he was going to play last week too and he just didn't Bruce Arians just did what college coaches do every single week with their players where they just yeah he'll play man and it's just not there and then dropped a tough bleep I think on fantasy owners when uh, people asked him about it oh yeah so anyway I'm, I'm not gonna yeah I'm not gonna go after those Arizona guys any of them no I'm just kind of staying away from that game as a whole because i expect it to be very low scoring i can see that one being like 14-3 seattle or something if, again maybe russell wilson is a gpp or something if that game gets to like 2010 or 20 to 13 but I, i'm just not expecting a lot of offense between the seahawks and cardinals thank you for listening to the rotowire fantasy football podcast brought to you by draftkings.com the leader in daily fantasy sports use the promo code rotowire when you make your deposit for a free contest entry today also check out rotowire for free for the next 10 days by going to rotowire.com slash pod the rotowire fantasy football podcast will return on monday Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.